Podcast. And the beat goes on for the LA Kings, now 8-0-0 on the road, earning 13 of the last 16 possible points. This is Caro. The following question might be rhetorical, but how are you tonight, Vardy? I'm so tired of winning. It's just, it's just, <laughs> just, just exhausting. God, yeah, you look like, worn down. I'm just from, beat down, man. Wins. I'm like, oh, another win. Oh, it's, it's nice to get that Philly game in there. Really, really threw off my vibe. <laughs> it's always nice to to get a little dose of. I was gonna say reality, but no, that's not reality. No, that's oh, the other not reality things are reality. Right yes, <laughs> I am great. I am great. I thoroughly enjoyed. I didn't get to. Admittedly, I had to kind of watch replays and uh, clips and such of the of the uh, Phoenix game, um, but thoroughly enjoyed that Florida game. Definitely enjoyed that St. Louis game. I think roughly eighteen thousand people in attendance enjoyed that St. Louis game from the puck drop on. So that was nice. Now, when you, you were at Phoenix, that game, Phoenix game, do you mean? The former Phoenix Coyotes or the Phoenix Copley game because both apply. You can you can you can use it either way. I you like can it. use it either it's way. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. It is. Play along. It at is. Home. <laughs> um, but I think the last time we recorded was just before the Vegas game. Correct. Which I, which I will admit I was scared. Silly it's, me. Listen, very normal. <laughs> Expected. I'm, I'm not used to this. This is weird. You know, it was funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Last season, towards the end of the season, we did a podcast right before the playoffs. And you were speaking very eloquently, as you always do. But you were trying to tell people, you were trying to explain to people what a good time it is to be a Kings fan right now because the team was rolling. Mm. And they were headed into the playoffs. This was before they got banged up a little bit and before they kind of limped into the postseason. And I was thinking about that earlier and, and how excited we were. And I feel, I kind of feel the same at this point. Like you were mentioning how this might be the best Kings team last season. I mean, you were mentioning, you were mentioning that might be the best Kings team we've seen in like a decade. And now I'm kind of vibing. <laughs> this might be, one of the best Kings team we've seen in a long time. And obviously it's November. We're very much aware of this. It's not how you start. It's how you finish most of the time. So granted, but man, it's just these boys, this squad. There's some good boys. There's, there's some good vibes flowing through this team right now. Top to bottom. Everything seems to be working. Even on nights where it's not working, it's working. Like this Arizona game, the last game. Mm-hmm. If you look at expected goals, it's all Coyotes. Although, if you watch the game, I don't think you ever felt that the Kings were being dominated. I think that's probably score effects. Mm-hmm. Probably after that first period, Arizona. There's a lot of penalty win. killing too, and so that a lot that of PK certainly time. right, right. But but going back to my point, it just seems to be working right now. Yeah, for the LA Kings in every facet of the game. And I really mean every facet of this team is clicking at this moment. And it's beautiful. And I'm happy. You should be. You got you to enjoy them when they come. And again, you, you're very right. It's uh, November. 
Um, I will counter your point that a strong start can often lead to a, a, a more successful finish, sure. if you will. Absolutely. You know, there's less pressure necessarily. Um, at that point, you're playing for pride and trying to kind of get your your game straightened out just before the playoffs. And I think going back to that episode that you mentioned from last year, it was that same role. And in a lot of ways, you pointed this out that putting the playoffs aside because they got banged up a little bit and that's a seven game series against the team like the Oilers of that season that were also rolling quite a bit, drastically different than the Oilers of, of, of today. Um, I view this team right now and how they're going as an extension, a continuation, if you will, of how that last team was during the regular season. Now, obviously, there's been personnel changes, huge personnel changes. There's still key players missing, Arvidsson obviously being that one. Um, but the 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 vibe, the energy, the you know, 21 dudes on the roster all kind of aligned in how they want to play and buying in to what the coaching staff is selling them. I feel like this season is just a continuation of that. I feel like this is a team that was really doing so well last year that they were excited to get right back into it. Like, great, we got eliminated, no worries. We're coming back harder than ever this time around. And you're seeing, so you brought up the the Arizona game and, and Phoenix Copley obviously having a hell of a game that night um, after having a bit of a rough start to the season, after being kind of the guy who, you know, again, the, the metrics maybe were not stupendous, but the win columns definitely were. And he more or less turned the season around for us last year by just being a good to average goaltender, which is all that team needed. So, yeah, it was disappointing to kind of see him falter to start this year. So to see him step up and play a truly, truly solid goaltending game when the team in front of him, I mean, I was watching, again, I was watching mostly with clips and replays, but that first period, I mean, there was, what was it, like three breakaways? Yep. I think Nick Schmaltz had like, had a post and two breakaways. Yep. I mean, it was just like, those very reasonably could be goals on, on any goaltender. And to see him come up with huge stops there, I think what you're noticing now is that no one wants to be the guy to let the team down because everyone is doing so well. And that kind of pulls everyone up, right? Like he didn't want to be playing the way he had been playing. He'd been working in practice. He's been doing all the stuff, apparently kind of focusing on things last game that he played. There was two wraparound goals that were scored against him. He'd been working on those details of his game. And I think everyone else I'm sure was trying to lift him up after that game. And to see him respond to that, I think you're just seeing every single guy trying to be better the next game, trying to play better for the guy next to them, try to play better for the team that's when you really get something going here. That's, I think that's what we're seeing with this, with this roster right now. Yeah. You, you mentioning it's a continuation of the last season. I totally agree in that. And we talked about this, I think two episodes ago was that the Kings last season around this time, were still trying to figure out who they were. They didn't have an identity. Whereas this season they rolled into the season completely self-aware of who they are and what they could do. 
with the players right. they have. I think retaining Gavrikov is a big part of that. I think Cam Talbot, obviously, the way he started out of the gate is a big part of that. Byfield, Kaliev stepping up when really the it was do or die time kind of for them, which is crazy to say for Byfield because he was like 21. But there was so much pressure and so much noise about him producing. There was so much noise about Arthur Kaliev, whether he's trade father or where whether he can actually be a full-time NHLer and not be in and out, up and down, fourth line where he clearly never belonged. I think almost everything's gone right so far. And that's the that's the craziest part about this season. And when you have an identity and when things are going your way, when the players you expect to perform are performing, we always felt that this team is going to be really hard to beat if a lot of things go right. And that's really what's happening right now. A lot of things are really going right for this team. Um, let's kind of go through the games, I think. Sure, sure. Rapid fire. You know, the Vegas game, I think that's the game where you're like, okay, this team is is legit, legit. Because it wasn't just, you know, they squeaked one out against Vegas in a shootout kind of like Vegas did to them. They were in control of that game beginning to end. Uh, they didn't give Vegas much when they did. Talbot was there. And it was just a beautiful 60-minute performance. Mm-hmm. Grant, even though they lost the next two, I don't think there was ever any, I don't want to say panic, but there wasn't much of doom and gloom, even from the fan base, certainly not from the team, because I think we all sense that this is a different type of season thus far. And wouldn't you know it, after those two losses, I feel the game was a stinker, like you mentioned. Yeah. And even in that game, like, the entire team's like, most... Dis- Almost all across the board, they were like, worst game of the season, most mm-hmm. disappointing game. And, and they, I'm telling you, man, the Kings had the puck most of the game. They just couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. You know, an inch here, an inch there, just throwing it into skates, pucks bouncing everywhere. It's hard. You know, that, that's that's yeah, a three Philly and four situation. It yeah, it's right. exactly. It's a schedule, to, quote unquote, a schedule loss as well. Right. And if that's it's also worst, It's also Philly coming back now. They played Philly spot. and they a little bit. I mean, they dropped a, a 5 0 spot on them 100%. Yeah. Like, that's a prideful team, man. And they're coming in, they're catching you in a three and four situation where you just came off. Truly, like, yes, it was the score was 4 1 in Vegas, but I have to believe that the emotional stakes of winning that game were were pretty high for the team. Like you, you, that's still a really good team that you had to beat four and one. Then you flew back from Vegas late having to play Pittsburgh the next night that goes to overtime. I mean, and then you got to get Pittsburgh up again. Was rolling at the time. Absolutely. Exactly. It's, it's a lot. It's a, so I think everyone can kind of look at that. And again, you can, you can call them excuses or whatever, but when you look at the totality of the season and how the team has been playing, if, if that's what it takes, if it takes being caught in the third game in four nights by a team that you just beat the pulp out of earlier in that week, and they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder, okay, I, I that's that's an acceptable loss as far as I'm concerned. And not to mention the Cal Peterson revenge factor, he got lit up in that. Totally, game. totally. I mean, it's the, the the layers of that loss are immense and, and plentiful yeah uh then they had one of their <laughs> extended breaks four days off and then they come into a into a game against florida florida 
at the time was red hot as well. Really playing. Yeah, good that was hockey. another game that I, I think I told you that I was I was afraid of that because <laughs> Yeah, because of the layoff too, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's a that's a big thing too. Because of the layoff, you're at home. Um sometimes when you're at home, it's a little harder to focus as you know, this is hockey talk, whatever you want to call it. Uh but that was a good tight game between two good teams. Uh Kings allow one. In fact, the Kings only have have only allowed one in their last three. One each game, I should say, in their right. last three. And then we go to St. Louis. Now, this was a fun kind of a hockey game. I was I was in the building, and that, that barn was rocking. I got to tell you, man, when you score four in the first, as dominant a first period, I think, as you're going to see in the NHL, period. Like, it was just – you talk about the ice being tilted. I mean, they, they were abusing Bennington the entire period. I'm surprised it was only four. I think that th- there was a point where – I looked up and there was like five minutes left in the third. I'm like, this game could be seven or excuse me in the first. And I mentioned this game could be seven, nothing. And it would not surprise me at all. Again, they kind of, the Kings themselves would tell you they relaxed in the second and third. In fact, uh, I was in the media scrum with Todd McClellan and he said those exact words. It's like, you could tell we kind of just backed off and we kind of, let the game go and, and kind of chalked it up to a win. And you saw St. Louis push. But even with all that, man, again, it never felt like the game, the Kings were not in control of that game. Mm-hmm. And the big thing was, of course, their home record going into those two games, Florida and St. Louis. So you string together two home wins, does a lot for the confidence, obviously. There's a lot uh, to kind of rectify that. And getting on the board, I joked about this on Twitter uh, the tweet got good traction, but it was like anyone you want to name that you were complaining about them not producing showed up on the score sheet that game. Yeah. As as satisfying a win as I think you could draw up at that time. So I wanted I want to focus in on this St. Louis win just a little bit if I can, because one thing that came up um last time after that 5-0 Philly game was I got critical about Pierre-Luc Dubois' play, despite mm-hmm. the fact that the team won 5-0. That St. Louis game, to me, even though St. Louis got a goal, even though they relaxed in the second and third period, I was more pleased with the overall play of the team after that St. Louis game than I was about the Philly one. And it was because I felt like not a single guy took that night off there were you know the difference to me was that in that philly game dubois was so off and so out of it in so many ways it was it was obvious that he was the worst player on the kings i can't tell you who who honestly if there was even a worst you know i'd have to i'd have to get into like some very deep statistical analysis and look at stuff and be like, all right, fine. Maybe, you know, Spence missed an assignment there. We'll give it to him. That kind of, that kind of thing against that St. Louis in the St. Louis game. But I felt like every single guy showed up to play that game. It was one shift after the next, after the next, just rolling. And even when then St. Louis was putting on a pushback, I never got the, there was no worry. There, There truly wasn't any worry because the next line out was just picking it right up, picking it right up. And so that was the difference to me. 
Now you can attribute that to some of the line juggling that's been going on. I, I really don't know um, whether now Dubois kind of being the head honcho on his line with Laferriere and Calia, whether that's changing something for him. I, I truly can't say, but that's the kind of play that I appreciate. Yes, he scored. That's great. There was a beautiful play that that zone entry exit. I mean, that was the Spence to Laferriere. I mean, that, that entire sequence from the King zone into the, into the St. Louis zone and culminating in Dubois goal was, was NHL hockey, baby, as, <laughs> as, as Nick threw out there, which I thought was a beautiful call. I, I've never heard him make a call like that before. It was, it, was, it was hilarious and it was great, but it was perfect. And so when I see plays like that, when I see every single line being as equivalent to threat as the next one, so happy about games like that. I had, I had no notes. I truly had no notes, no criticism of anyone of that game. Yeah, and you look at the score sheet, every line scored. Right. So that tells you exactly what you were just talking about and how valid it is. And I think that St. Louis game, specifically the first period, you get to see, I think, what management envisioned this team could be when they talked about rolling every line, when they talked about hitting you in waves, that first period is exactly what the peak of this team is when they're on when everyone's going. You mentioned Dubois. um, You mentioned the line juggling. I will say that since the line juggles, he has been better. In that Philly game where they lost at home, uh, from that game on, I have found that he's been significantly better. And I, you know, you try to watch the games and you try to figure out what's going on. To me, what's going on is that they're hitting him in the middle of the ice with speed. Mm -hmm. When he's doing that, when he's going through the neutral zone with the puck on his stick, that's what you want to see from Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's when he is at his most dangerous, and that's when you can actually visibly see what he can actually do. So I think it's, you know, Fiala's going fine, obviously. You know, he's going to work, I think, on any line. But I have liked very much what I've seen from Dubois in that Florida game, you know, that when he ran into the net, <laughs> when he ran into the goalpost, I should say. Scary moment. Turns out he's fine, so he could chuckle about it. But the play itself is exactly yep. where he needs to be getting the puck. And that's exactly what he needs to be doing. Because if he picks up speed through the neutral zone, it, it doesn't even have to be a one-on-one. He's probably going to get through, guys, because he's just right. so big and he's moving so fast that you're not going to be able to stop him. And that's what he did on that play. And he did it a couple of times in that game. That's what I saw him doing in St. Louis. Not so much against Arizona, but I, you know, the Arizona game, I give him a pass because he just wasn't getting the touches. He was looking for it, right? Like mm-hmm. Arizona. He still got a post. He still got he still like, got a post. It was a rebound or yeah, it was a rebound play and, and he almost tucked it. But I think he's fitting in fine where he is. Now you can make the argument like, do you really want your $8.5 million player to be sitting on the quote unquote third line? But I really don't care at this point. As long as he's getting the touches, as long as he's doing the things that make him an effective player, I am fine with whatever line he's on because you gotta get you gotta maximize that guy. If you're gonna be this team that you showed in the first period of the St. Louis game, where you're coming in waves and every line is really difficult to check, you're going to need that guy to do that. 
mm-hmm. specifically in the playoffs. You know, it's I, I'm totally with you. I, I do agree that that's a much better um, style of play for him. And again, I don't know if the issue with him and Fiala being on the same line is that both of those guys like to have the puck or both of those guys are most effective when they have the puck. I think it is. I think it's zone entries. Yeah. When Fiala's on your line, he's going to get the you zone You defer entries. to him. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I don't blame anyone for doing that, right? Like even PLD was deferring to him. Right. Right. So even if Dubois with Fiala was coming through the neutral zone, he's going to kick it to the wing. So right. Fiala can get the zone entry and create. Right. And maybe that's why it's working out so well with a line with Deneau and Moore because both of those guys are, I wouldn't say they're used to being complementary players, but they're okay with it. They're okay with with being the guys that they, they're not expected to be the ones to carry the puck in. They're good playing the way they play. They can, they can play however you need them to play, and I think it works out well. Um, so... The interesting thing to me, and granted we're talking months ahead now, but if that line actually keeps clicking the way it is, if it consistently can work where you have Fiala, Deneau, and more, then it gets really interesting if and when, God willing, Arvidsson gets back. Because I don't think at that point that they would try to reinsert Arvidsson back with Deneau and more. I think they would much prefer to leave that be and have Arvidsson slot back in with PL. Yeah, because I think that that would be a marriage that would work a whole lot more successfully than than Fiala and Dubois worked so far. I agree. I think even though Arvidsson is just fine on zone entries and and things like that, I think totally, totally. But he's more of a guy that will go to the net for you. Yes. Whereas Fiala is more of a perimeter, high skill guy that wants to you know create space and and create for his teammates or get shots off and. You got to clean it up for him a little bit, you know. What right. I mean? Um. So I think with RV, I think that's yeah. I, and like you said, it's months away. The lines might even not look anything like this. For sure. Me. Although I w- can't imagine anyone touching that first line the way the way they're going right now. There's no reason to. There no, never has not been. With, <laughs> not with QB making Magic Johnson type no look passes and just <laughs> having himself a grand old time. I love it. You and I both love a good assist man, and I don't know. Again, I I don't know where this like idea maybe came around of him not scoring enough goals, but I don't care when he's when he's when he's making passes like that. When he's looking to make passes like that, when he's, I think he might be tops in the team in terms of primary assists as well, like. I don't mind a great passer, man. Joe Thornton had a Hall of Fame career being a primary assist guy. You and I have talked about for years that there should be an award, an end of the season award for the guy who leads the league in assists. And I have no problem with that being QB because that just means someone else is scoring the goals and that's fine. That's perfectly fine by me. Yeah, we have talked about how we like to have him shoot a little bit more. Um, I think that'll come, but as long as, dude, yeah, I agree. I mean, we're it's a nitpicky thing. We mentioned a couple of episodes ago, episodes ago that we are picking nits at this point with Quentin Byfield, and that's a good sign. If you're going to put him under a microscope and like those are the things you're finding, something very, very right is happening with that player. Uh, I think he's on pace for 76 points, which is 
an insane statement. If if I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get 75, 76, but the fact that he's pacing for such numbers right now, right? I don't think anyone would have believed you if you told him last. No, season I mean he's we. Gonna come out you and I talk, and like possibly touch 70, 80 points. Like that's ridiculous. No way. No, I think you and I both talked about like, man, if we can get 40, 50 point seasons out of out of QB and Artie, things are looking up. And at this point, I think if he topped out at 40, I would be like, what happened? Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like be a steep where, drop did, where did we go wrong? <laughs> you know? Um, I don't mind it, man. I, I again my my issues have never been with like he doesn't score enough. It's never been a question of like, I have this number in my head and he needs to hit this number of goals. Otherwise I'm going to be displeased with him. The issues that we brought up were more like, sometimes he has the obvious shot. Sometimes he has the, the obvious, like, yeah. And, and, and he's still looking for that next pass though. That's, that's the area that I, I think he still can improve on and eventually will score some goals with, but for right now, it's just humming along nicely. So line one, line four, whatever you want to, whatever number you want to put them at. And granted, Lazat's out now. I don't know for how long, but still going real nice. Loving it. Yeah, I, I suspect those two lines will be intact for at least most of the season, if not all of the season. And also the power play got adjusted a little bit with Pierre-Luc being shifted off and, and Byfield being moved up to PP1 as well. Yeah, and so. that's working fine. They're 19th on the power play right now. I think they're about 20%, but that's fine because their PK is second in the NHL. Yep. 90%, 90.2. Boston's number one at 90.8. You tell me we're going to have a 20% power play, but on the flip side, a 90% PK, I sign off on that all day long because yeah. the power play is a. Yes, the power play can win you games, lose you games, but not, I don't think, the same way a PK can really break your spirits. I mean, we saw it, right? Like, granted, in the playoffs, it was against the greatest power play of all time, but still, I mean, you know, you, you couldn't stop it. You know, it was like 50-something percent, which was ridiculous. Yeah. So, to I if the trade-off is the power play dips, but the PK is top five, I take that trade-off. Yeah, because I'm I'm not worried about them drawing penalties. I think they're going to get their power play chances, and the goals will come. You know, maybe maybe it won't be at like a top ten level power play, but the timely goals I think can very much be there with the amount of talent on the roster. But when you have a bad PK and you're worried that the you're not going to be able to kill penalties consistently, then you don't defend well. You don't def you you hold back in terms of how you would normally play your game because you're so afraid of like taking the next penalty and putting your team at a disadvantage. I think when your PK is doing really well, it allows you to play way more liberally and kind of feel out the edge of like, all right, well, what are the refs calling tonight? What's, what's too far? What can I get away with? And you know, that's, that's no way to play. That's you can't, you can't win scared in my opinion, especially when it comes to playing defense. And the goaltending, specifically during the, penalty kills, has been truly outstanding. Like the right. the structure and everything, yes, it's, it's improved, but I think the biggest improvement is in net on the PQ. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say the cliche. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. But you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yep. 
it often holds true. So, yep. It's again, how much of that you want to attribute to the team in front of them, limiting where these chances are coming from, uh, like against the, uh, in the Arizona game, for example, I, we noticed this from Arizona, even from the preseason game, the puck movement, particularly on the power play is tremendous for them. The coyotes move the puck very well, very talented. You give them enough space and time to do it. They're going to move that puck around. They're going to make you go, you know, head on the swivel left and right. But I felt like they were just moving and moving and moving and moving, but just still could not find a clean shooting lane most of the time. And that's super key because if your goaltenders, both guys are big guys and you're giving them clean looks on whatever these shots are that are coming in, especially the one area that the Kings really struggled with last year on the PK being the goal mouth and the the cross crease passes and stuff like that. If you're able to shut that down, most good to slightly better than good goaltenders, which is how Copley played against Arizona and how Talbot has been playing most of the season thus far, will be able to give you the key, key stops that you need in that situation, I think. It's all good stuff, man. It's all good stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to see, like, what can I complain about? Hmm. No, nothing. No, and that's okay. Oh, yeah, the Bally's app. I could complain about the Bally's app. Okay, you can complain about that. That's fine. Fix your shit, Bally's. Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm so tired of logging in every time. (laughs) Every time. Every time. Um, At one point, I forget exactly whether this was on an episode or text or whatever, I mentioned to you that they were the Kings were setting themselves up to have a very productive November. And sure. so right now, again, another, we're on Tuesday, we're recording this. And it's another four day break between games, but the next one is going to be at Anaheim on Friday, followed by another back to backer, but coming back home, playing Montreal on Saturday. And then the last game of November is against Washington. After another three-day break. After another three-day break. Just, just you know, relaxing. Holidays, you know, holiday season. But as of right now, in the month of November, the Kings record is an astonishing 6-1-1. One, and one. With three games left against Anaheim, Montreal, and Washington. Washington turning around a little bit after a slow start to the beginning of the season. Anaheim kind of leveling off a little bit, but still... I think they're a lively bunch. I'm not going to throw records. I'm not going to throw numbers out there or speculate. I'm just saying that already this November is shaping up really nice for this team at 6-1-1. One, and one. and all those points count the same at the end of the season too. So just, just enjoy it. Just in, enjoy what they're doing right now. It's a long season. They're not going to... There's going to be a dip. There always is for every team, unless you're apparently you're the Boston Bruins of last year where a dip never comes. But for right now, when it's humming along like this, you just got to enjoy every game. And yeah. Yeah, because listen, December, January, February, there's a lot of games, man. There's a there's ton. quite a few back-to-backs. There's tough back Threes and fours. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Oof. A lot. So you got to bank those points right now. Get your rest. Get ready. Because shit's going to get crazy. And 
Copley couldn't have picked a better time to have a great game. Yep. And it seemed because Cam Talbot's going to need to rest, and that's a lot yeah. of hockey that's coming up. I mean, I would expect Copley to play at least one of these these last three remaining games in November. One of Anaheim or Montreal. It has to be Montreal. It has to be Montreal. Yeah, yeah because makes sense. division rival, you just throw Talbot in. Right, it's always coming off like, of a five-day yeah, break or whatever it is. Make the, six call days it a for more, more of a priority game. Yeah. I fully expect to see Copley uh, on Saturday. So, Let's see. Anything else? Anything else Kings-wise? Kings-wise is just, I don't know, how much more can we gush? What can we talk about? <laughs> what can we gush about? Um, how about Andreas Engeland a little bit? <laughs> who, who okay. We, who we, this is just a random thing of just like how we completely wrote him off more or less as like kind of a throwaway signing. And he's he's done very well solidifying that bottom pairing left side. Conversations we had like about Bjornfoot, about just put Clark in there and let the kids play. He's doing a great job. Right. And I got to give the man some credit. Stick taps. That's, that's, that's A-OK with me. That's A-OK with me. I think he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing. I don't... Th- I don't think there's any question mark whatsoever about the roster makeup right now. Short of injuries coming up, I don't think there's any cries of like, you know, get Bjornfoot up here. Why isn't Clark up here? Like you would think, right? You would think that for the pedigree that Brent Clark is coming in with his draft position, et cetera, that, and he's doing quite well in Ontario. Yes, he has seven-game points as we speak. Yeah, leading all all rookie defensemen in scoring, I believe. We're big Brant Clark fans. I look forward to seeing Brant Clark be Brant Clark on the NHL level. But even now, I look at how this team is playing, and I go, "Don't change a thing. Don't don't please like no one get hurt. No one have anything happen to you." Just hold on. Arvidsson will be back and we'll figure it out then what we're going to do with Laferriere. But right now, don't change anything. There you go. That's a good topic of discussion too. Laferriere, healthy scratch, came back. Solid three games. Solid, solid three games. I mean, even that, even that, like even when they have a dip, the guys just step up and they're responding. That's that's all you can really ask, man. I mean, you've, you've coached. I can't honestly say I've ever coached in my life, not hockey-wise, but... That's, I think as a coach, especially if you're coaching a team across an 82-game season, I think that's the part when you really start thinking like, we we got something here. When these guys are independently rising to the, to the challenge and you don't have to like call them out in the media necessarily, you know, maybe once or twice here and there, but you're not like, you know, not naming names, but you're saying stuff that's very clear about who you're talking. You know, like you don't have to play those mind games no. at all. And especially when your team is playing so well, you don't want to be left off the train, man. That's the thing. Like, it's such good energy in the locker room and on the ice that when you're pulled out of the lineup and you still see them, like, everything's just like, man, I I can't not be. You got to get back in. Yeah. Everything is great. Like, the team is moving. Like, every game is fun. The locker room is fun. Like, you just want to get back in there as fast as you can. So, once you get that opportunity, you just, like – no way I'm letting letting this go. So that's a good that's a good vibe to have. A very good yeah. vibe to have. So I gotta ask, do I dare use the W word to describe this team? 
Oh, they are. Are they? they? Are absolutely. Are they? They're a wagon, folks. Dude. They are a wagon. You know what their point projection is right now? I thought it was like 110 or something, wasn't 120. it? 120. That ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. But <laughs> it's not going to happen. But, dude, let's come on. I mean, for, for a franchise, for a franchise whose points record was 106, 105, I forget now. We mm-hmm. had 105 last year. We were one short, I think. It's it's a remarkable role that they're on right now. It's a remarkable role that they're on. And again, you can you can get into the the weeds a little bit in terms of fancy stats and stuff, but I think all due respect to what Vancouver is doing, which is just some ridiculous stuff out there. I think the the way the Kings are playing, the way the Kings are winning games is far more sustainable across the course of an 82 game season than what Vancouver is doing right now. You're Vancouver kind of seeing riding... Vancouver right now. Actually. Yeah. They're yeah. kind of slipping. They're kind of slipping They're, You know, if they don't score five, they lose. Right. If their top guys are not on, they have no one else. That's the problem with Vancouver. I, I, I can see that their top guys are absurdly talented. If, if Quinn Hughes doesn't win the Norris at this point, I, I'm I'm going to be shocked to find out who's going to make a run for it. And Pedersen, JT Miller, Demko, all these guys are fine. But beyond those four, if if they're not on for a night, that team loses. Yeah, it's it's as simple as that. But this team, the Kings team, you can have you can tell me that like the Kopitar line went. Two nights in a row without a point, I'd be like, "That's fine. I, I, I'll take it." I expect the the no line or you know, like more with with those two amazing goals. What a shot that dude's developed, by the way. I mean, his release has just gotten like insane. He's healthy. That's just he just looks different, right? Like he's healthy. Yeah. He kind of he's picking up where he left off before the concussion. Before he, he got hurt, yeah. I think he's on pace for forty goals. It, so it's, it's crazy, dude. Hard. Yeah, it's, he's. It's, He's picking corners. He's putting pucks bar down like with with no time at all. Like he's got no space and he's putting these pucks in spots. And I'm like, I, you know that Shaq meme? I'm sorry. Yeah. I wasn't familiar I with apologize. your game. Like I, <laughs> I feel like that's that's like 80% of the guys that play against Trevor Moore right now. Yeah. Like I wasn't familiar with your game. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> um. So. So this last yeah. week, I. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little betting. I made two wagers. Okay. Uh, Kings to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, you did it, huh? I got it at plus fifteen fifty, which is insane. That is nuts. Because <laughs> I was in Vegas. I was in Vegas for the weekend, bro. and I, I was in Vegas for the weekend, two weekends or this last weekend, and I I have I didn't put the bet down, but I went to look, and it was like plus nine hundred was where they had the Kings. I couldn't believe my eyes. I caught plus fifteen fifty. I was like, okay. Um, and I also bet them to win the division, which is at a uh modest plus two oh five. Okay. Okay. I didn't make these bets preseason because my main thing was like, I want to see how the goaltenders are gonna perform. That was my main thing. I was like, Yeah, well, let me see the goaltending, let me see the team and that's how on board I am. Obviously, it's you know bets are bets, and it's not a big deal. But 
I feel pretty good. No, but about you're, that you're, one. you're literally putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. It's putting my money where my eyes are. That's right. Well, that's what that's I'm right. seeing right now. I also have just for, just for fun, these Stanley cup tickets on Carolina. Uh, plus you had that before the season started. Didn't yes. You? That I had. And I have uh Dallas stars plus nine seventy. Good team. Good team. Yeah, it is interesting. Oh, and uh, sorry, New York Rangers plus nine fifteen. So I was gonna say, like, those are my there's tickets. a few, there's a few teams now that I'm kind of like looking at the schedule as as benchmark games, so to speak, for this team. So that Vegas one was one of them. They delivered. Um, then you got the New York one coming up uh, in a few weeks in December. I'm I'm curious whether. They'll, I doubt they'll have quick start because I think the Kings are maybe a little too good. You don't good. know. You don't know. But He's I, playing again, well. But I don't know. He is playing well. He and, and I think the sentimentality of it would be to start quick in that scenario. Um, but there are a few benchmark games. And I was kind of wondering, again, going back to interdivisional play, like, all right, well, when, when do I get to see this Vancouver team? When do I get to see this Vancouver team like actually – play against the Kings and, and show me that they're not just like, you know, a, a three horse pony, three horse, three trick. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's mm-hmm. not just four guys. They're not one trick ponies, basically, but with four ponies, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do the math. It's a five horse. So anyway, anyway. <laughs> 10 horse. Yeah, power, I get what whatever. You're I get what you're saying. Um, I, Dude, they're one not thing playing before them. You, yeah. Before you continue. Yes. Perfect time to start Jonathan quick. Against the Kings, January twentieth in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Go on. At, at the very least, there's a video montage coming. But I'm just saying, like, the next game against New York is uh, December tenth. Anyway, dude, they are not playing. They are not playing Vancouver until February 29th. Yeah, that's crazy. It's nuts. Which means they're going to play them in succession. Or like yeah, three games a bunch, real quick. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's February twenty ninth, March twenty fifth, April sixth. Yeah, so not not it's, in succession, but it's like pretty quick after each other. Right, right. And, and uh, I get that, like you're trying to encourage. See, I was gonna say they don't see Edmonton until December thirtieth. Yeah, which worries me that they'll figure their shit out by then. But I mean, so far you're not seeing. The early returns on the coaching change being all that drastically different. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, that's that's a fun. I mean, should we? Okay, should we, let's put a little bow on the Kings here. Yeah, we're going to go around feel the like, league no matter what. I feel so. like there's so much fun stuff to talk about around the league. We can do our uh, bi-weekly check-in on, on how the Oilers are doing. All right. Let's check on the oil spill. So I think they fired their coach they, since the last they, time. I, I can assure you they fired their coach. No, they just... <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you for, thank you for the confirmation. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here uh, first, folks. <laughs> oh, insiders. Uh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yes, they, they, they should can Woody. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you don't have a friend in me, Woody. Uh so he's gone, and the debacle of that firing was was hilarious to me because they brought on the uh, the guy who 
uh, I forget. I'm forgetting his name. Woodrich. What is his something no, like that? Knobloch. Knobloch. Whatever. Who close Woodrich? Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> he went from. Yeah, he went from wood to knob. All right, cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm noticing a theme here. He went in terms from of a who woody to a knob. To a knobby. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so he who was Connor McDavid's coach all the way back in Erie, yep. hired by the team president who was Connor McDavid's agent. agent. I'm noticing a little bit of a theme here, and of course, Connor just just befuddled, just clueless as to how, how all this came to be. Just, I woke up and there it was in the I'll, paper, guys. I will, I will, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I, I think that McDavid didn't want Woodcroft to be fired, even though everything else suggests the way they were playing suggests that he, he might've, but like, I really think the team did like Woodcroft. I think they did believe in Woodcroft. Um, obviously, they didn't do anything to show that, really. It, just words. But um, I think this is more of the Oilers trying to keep McDavid happy and thinking this is what would make him happy. Mm-hmm. Which isn't that different, right? Because, you know, the funniest part, of course, of the presser was that they asked uh, Ken Holland... Did you consult the players? Right. And he's like, yeah, I've been talking to the players here, you know, the leadership group, Connor, Leon, Darnell. Uh, but I'll let, I'll, let, uh, <laughs> I'll let Jeff Jackson talk about that. He's like, right. we did not con- – the players had nothing to do had with this. Had nothing to do with this. But anyway. Th- that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm saying is like – I know, I know. It's just, it's just one piece after another after another. You're just watching this pseudo empire that they created. And, and hey, man, we – we contributed to that. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to stand here and act like I didn't think the Oilers were going to be a really good team this season. I think you and I both had them in the cup finals if not winning the cup. So, I'm I'm not going to act like I didn't think they were going to be a good team. But at the same time, I'm 100% going to laugh and enjoy when all of these things are falling apart despite the fact that they have all of this talent and all of this expectation heaped upon them so so again kind of a, a sluggish start here with Knobloch at the helm I think they won a couple then lost a couple and then after this most recent loss against Florida where they lost 5-3 you had this glorious Twitter exchange between oh my God. between by the, Mark Spector by, by two awful people I'm just going to <laughs> I think I, 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 when you sent me that, because I, I had my own game and I didn't know what was going on, and you sent me that tweet, I was like, dear God, it's like the real Housewives of Edmonton. <laughs> it it's really just is. two terrible people screaming at each other about how terrible the other person is. With with ex NFL NFL ex NHL referee Tim Peel, who you could just go YouTube search like Tim Peel asshole or something like that and just look at like all of these players just like talking shit to Tim Peel or like videos of him making horrific calls just not a very good referee oh yeah right? and like, bad, like a horrible person as well yeah because like there's yeah. articles about him like I don't know 
berating young referees and like right like in a very vicious way not like a tough love way just a very yeah disgustingly heinous yeah very mike babcockian kind of way, yeah. so to speak so and and he's just having this like absurd exchange with mark specter who is just another like ludicrous cartoonish individual <laughs> beat writer for the edmonton oilers who just can't help himself but ask absolutely dumb questions like finds the worst possible time and asks the worst possible question of these players who are clearly not happy with how these games are going and i think the question he asked Connor mcdavid was something to the effect of would you have rather won this game 4-1 as opposed to losing it 5-3 no no he said would you rather <laughs> whatever win 4-1 it was. or 7-5 or oh okay as in the style of play right like I would see. you rather outscore your problems as you have been or yes. try to play and and i think what i liked about mcdavid's response was like boy you you love this question don't you because he's asked it every game he yeah. asked it. and like i get it like you're supposed to like you're watching the same game over and over again i'll give spec right. that like you're watching right. the same game every like oilers lead early oilers can't hold the lead oilers right. can't play defense oilers can't right. make a save game over like right. it's the same thing so he's it's kind of funny actually that he's like you know what i'm gonna ask the same question because <laughs> they're doing the, it's just it, it's it's fantastic it's a fantastic thing but for the oilers man they have 65 games left they have to win 40 of them mm-hmm. you get to 95 points that's the math yeah you gotta win 40 of their 65 to make to make it to the wild card spot can they do it? Yeah. I think it's possible. I mean, they're I'm talented sure, enough. I'm sure for they it. went 40 and 20 sometime last season at some point. Sure. Sure. 60 game stretch, right? So, but I'll tell you this, man. You can't, like, it's got to start tomorrow. Yeah. To turn around, like, you're running out of runway here. Like, it's not, I, I believe they can turn it around, but I believe they could turn around two weeks ago, too. And I said, right. No, oh, they'll turn you around, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's I think they gotta get a goalie. Like, just get a goalie. <laughs> and you could tell me goaltending is not the problem. No, no, I, I'm not. It's listen, it's one hundred percent the problem. I think I think there's bigger problems than the goaltending, just to clarify. Well, sure. The defense leading the up defense, to the goaltending yeah, is correct. Yeah. yeah. But you need you just need to bring in a guy who's gonna make difficult saves. Right. They, they waited. They called up Pickard. They waited. I don't know how long to play him. He goes in. Not good. Florida. Yeah. Four like goals against, the I think. Through him, like through his body. Yeah. He still had to make important saves, but I think you got to get a goalie. Just do it. Just bite the bullet. I mean, they're just, they're just in a horrible situation now. They're bent over a barrel because no one's going to give them a goaltender. Every goaltender that they can possibly get on the cheap is just going to be an absolute flyer and hoping that hoping that it works out better than the three that they're employing right now. Yes. Jack Campbell got sent down to find his game, is finding an even worse game somehow down there. I mean, it's just and I take no pleasure in that because I love Jack Campbell as a as a human being and an ex-king. Like sounds like an absolute sweetheart sweetheart of a guy. But I think this is just the poison that is the Oilers right now. It is just so pervasive and it is so through and through the organization now 
that they have no response to this. They have no solution to this problem. They're throwing everything that they can, every peripheral thing that they can, because the potential real solution of we built this team wrong. We we just we were too tied in now to the players that we have. And I'm not saying you got to get rid of McDavid, Dreisaitl, no franchise in their right mind would do that. But you have not done a good enough job building the team around those two amazing building blocks. And it might be too late for you to fix it because you're too tied into all these other pieces that you really did not need. You know, you, you overestimated the abilities of Darnell Nurse and, you know, Zach Hyman's Honor a great Brown. player. Connor, you know, like these guys, dude. This is so the Connor Brown thing, right? Like they, yeah, they signed him to three point two five. They almost, it seemed like they were planning a parade for him just to come into town. Within five games, everyone was saying wave him so that he doesn't hit his performance bonus. So if he plays ten games, they get dinged with a cap hit of three point two five million next season. Yes, God, and he has played ten games. I mean, it's just it's just and one thing after another. Awful. Yeah, it's just one thing after another, man. It's one thing after another. And, and that's so why the only that's why I was like, they're just trying to make McDavid happy. I don't even think Connor's Connor Brown played with him in Erie. Yeah, I know. And and they signed him because they had success when Connor was fourteen or whatever. <laughs> like, come on, people. right? Like, come on. I'm and sure he, even Connor's like, what are you guys doing? And here's the thing. You can't move any of these guys. You can't move any of these guys, dude. You got Zach Hyman, bless him, good player, been been doing what he needs to be doing. He's 31 years old. He's got four more years left on his contract of $5.5 million with a no-move clause. Evander Kane has got two more years of 5.25, no-move clause. Nugent Hopkins, 30 years old. Signed all the way until 2829, 5.125, no move clause. Darnell Nurse, of course, Don, Darnell Nurse, mm-hmm. t- signed all the way to 2930 at 9.25 million and a no move clause. Like you were locked in. You are locked in as hell to these guys, to these deals, to a team that is not good. Not to say and those then, guys wouldn't wave at this point. I mean, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but they don't have to. Is my point. They don't have to. You, and and you're, and you're losing guys like Fogel, Brown, Ernie, Sam Gagne picked up off the trash heap to be like, please, Sam Gagne, give us some sort of a spark. I mean, there is nothing I to this roster. I think they helped scratch them last game. They must. I think I, mean, Noblock, I don't. He was their best player, effort wise. Yeah. every night, and they. Okay, and here's here's my vibe on Knobloch. Okay, he seems like a nice guy who doesn't get mad, who puts his arm around you and tells you it's going to be okay. And I think that is absolutely the complete opposite of what these guys needed. Yeah, I think it's the wrong hire. I think I'm not saying go get Daryl. I'm not, but you got to get somebody. Who's going to hold somebody accountable? Like this, Dude, is you crazy. have to get someone. You have to get someone who can handle the stakes of what you're bringing them in for. You're not bringing this guy in and asking him to rebuild a team that has nothing on the line. You're asking him to take over a sinking ship and turn it around and reclaim 
like get them back to the conference finals. You're asking a guy with no NHL head coaching experience to step in a like a sixth of the way through the season and rescue this team and lead them back to the conference finals. That's insane. That's an insane ask, in my opinion. So good luck to them. I yeah. I, I don't see yeah. how they can they can fix this with any meaningful way with with what they're seeing right now. And the way the West is, is like you're not getting into the top Dude. three in the Pacific. Oh, yeah. No way. The top six teams in the West who are like one, two, and three in their division, except maybe Winnipeg. I don't know. They might. I don't know. But those six teams are like going with no end in sight. So yeah, for the Calgary's of the world, for Minnesota's of the world, for Edmonton, you're praying to get into the wild card. Right. Such is life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it ain't easy out there. It's not. And I'll tell you that I think no one is more appreciative of the, of the shit show that is the Edmonton Oilers right now, probably more so than the Columbus Blue Jackets, because otherwise they would be the, <laughs> the actual laughing yeah. stock of the NHL. Yeah. I mean, They're making some weird decisions. Dude, you know, Again, another situation where you fired the coach before the season started because coach was a weirdo and you brought in a guy. Now he's healthy scratching, <laughs> alternating between healthy scratching Patrick Line and Johnny Goudreau. I mean, what is happening, dude? What is happening with some of yeah. these teams, man? You know where it's headed with Columbus. I think we all know. Oh, you, did, you knew it from the beginning it, of the yeah, season. We talked about where it's going. Um, Line they put him at center this season. Right. And at the first sign of any trouble, the healthy scratch him. I'm, right. I don't know. I don't think that's the guy to do that to. That's just not. Do you think that, and he comes out and says it was the most embarrassing thing in my career. Did you yeah. see his quote? Like, yeah, I did. Come on, man. I don't, I, mean, I don't know how you expect a guy to respond positively. You, to you something gotta, like that. You got to read your players. There are certain players. This shit's not going to work on. Yeah, I, I think Line is like the type of player that's going to be like, that's not that's not motivating <laughs> yeah. me, bro. Like, yeah. um, Calgary seems to be playing okay. Markstrom's playing well. Um, well, being like slightly above average. He was so bad last season that mm -hmm. anything is an uptick. Um, I, I think I think Calgary has the potential to push into that wild card spot. Probably, Seattle hasn't looked right. Anaheim, I think, is coming back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, I think Anaheim is going to end up with probably a better season total than I thought they would. You can see the building blocks there. You can see like the 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 mold of a good team coming around. I think Crona uh, is doing a good job with that team. Like when I watch the. You know, the interviews when I watch the the game highlights when I watch like the the locker room stuff I feel like he's got you want to talk about a guy who I feel like has a good pulse on the team but granted the expectations are very very different for Anaheim than they are for right you know for some of these other groups yeah I think it's just it's very clear already the the haves and the have-nots particularly in the Western Conference. To me, it's like you mentioned, there's, there's six teams that are put together nicely. I think Winnipeg is, is, a, is a solid team. 
And once Velarde comes back, they're going to be even better. Um, I would probably slot them up clearly the third best team in that, in that division. But in my mind, much, much better than the other teams are right now. Minnesota is a bit of a surprise how badly they're playing. I'll be honest. I haven't been following close enough to, to dissect why they're playing so poorly, but um, I think Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg head and shoulders better than every other team in the, in the central division. If I were Minnesota, I would fire Everson tomorrow and hire Woodcroft. I wouldn't even think about it. I would have done I mean, that already. It's not a bad thought, man. Yeah, it's not a bad thought. But I mean, this is really the, the one bad season Evanston has had, as far as I can think back. Like every other season has been okay. So I'm really not sure whether this is a a, a goaltending situation. I mean, their goals against is ridiculous. They have the worst goals against of any team in the in the central division with 70. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering whether this some of this is a goaltending. I'm sure a lot of it based. is a goaltending thing for sure. But still. Yeah. But yeah. still. I, I just would capitalize on trying to get Woodcroft. That's all. That's what I would. Yeah. Hey, have, I'm you, surprised. Noticed, have you noticed Twitter's been a little better for us lately? Like, <laughs> no chirps, no, you know, no it's one been, throwing nonsense at us. I think I've been, been, been hitting some block. You, in the block you, you threatened. You told people. You told people it was coming. Look, man, I, again, I, I'm not against criticism. What I am against is just bullshit. I love like, disagreements. Disagreement is the best. You perfect. can, you can see I'll us disagree. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect scenario. The guys at the hockey royalty pod loved the, du- the Dubois trade. Loved it. Mm-hmm. We did not. On Saturday in the press box, I had a great conversation with Russell Morgan mm-hmm. and it was civil. It was not even a lot of disagreeing going on, but you're talking about two groups of people that have differing ideas and opinions on a certain thing. And no one called anyone stupid. No one questioned anyone's intelligence. In fact, it was a lot more fun to talk to him knowing how much we disagreed on that one thing. Crazy, isn't it? Wow. Civility is a... Is a- Seems to be a, a trait that's tough to come by for some people, unfortunately. And thankfully, it's not everyone. It's it's a rare few out there who seem to just live to be trolls. So they can they can go do that under a different bridge. We're not gonna. Um, I'm I'm over tolerating that. I don't need everyone to agree with me. I'm not looking for worship of our tweets here. I'm just looking for people who aren't jerks, man. Life's too short for me to sit there and like deal with people being morons for no good reason. Anyway, There's I'm not going to give it another breath. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anything all right. else? But what else we got? You were about to say something. Uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh, New Jersey. I mm. they've they've hit a wall bad. And well, shit. I'm assuming I'm assuming mostly the the Jack Hughes injury obviously driving that. Um. But that sucks for that team, man. That sucks to to just be like, if that dude goes down, all the other talented guys on that team just can't seem to keep it afloat. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's hard to say if that's like a strictly a Jack Hughes thing or just one of those stretches you go through the season because they started so hot. Like, yeah, 
they're, I don't know what their shooting percentage was, but it was probably off the charts, much mm-hmm. like Vancouver. So he's back now. So that's good. I think they'll, yep. they'll write that shit. I'll tell you who's figuring shit out is Carolina. They started out rough, but now all of a sudden they are defending again. And they're seven and three in their last 10. So watch out for them. Although, you know, we always suspected they would be fine. So I'm still shocked by how good Boston is. Like I, I'm. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, they're they're they got the goaltending. I get it. Swayman is eighty-five percent points percentage. I mean, it's just nuts. It's nuts. I I feel like they haven't missed a step. Losing Bergeron, I don't even understand it. It's very impressive. Very very impressive. I saw. Um, actually, that brings up a good point. Late last season there was a little bit of a push for McClellan to be considered for the Jack Adams and it never really came to pass. I think he ended like fifth or sixth in voting or whatever it is. And I started seeing some chatter, not just from Kings fans, but from just NHL pundits in general, again, super early, super, super early in the season, but Mm -hmm. finally early now talk of how, you know, people really should be paying attention to, to the job that the the Kings coaching staff is doing. And that's nice to see. Yeah. I think that's nice to see because, again, for all of the, you know, the bad thoughts, the, the, the Todd doesn't know what he's doing, you know, you're going to find that kind of discourse anywhere. You can't, the numbers don't lie. The team had a historic season last season. And they're rolling right into it this year too. I think you have to give credit where it's due. I think McClellan's got a good grasp of this team, a good grasp of what works for his players. And it's nice to see that kind of attention coming on early. I hope the team keeps playing well enough where he gets some acknowledgement for that. If I had to make a top three, if if like we had finals right now, I think Todd would be in it for yeah. me. I think yeah. it would be talk it. Montgomery and mm-hmm. and McClellan. I think I think that's that's all well deserved. I think uh, it's is Laviolette in New York, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I that's mean that's a good one too. that's a good one too, man. Some stolid stories about how he's tied that team together now, and the vibes are very good over there as well. All right, if nothing else, I think you need to prep yourself for some jersey numbers, my friend. I'm ready. Oh, I That's... have one more question for you. Before. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Um, Russell retweeted something that Bardown tweeted. If there was one game that you oh. could re- that you could watch without knowing what happened or just rewatch for the first time, sure. What would it be? I was curious to ask you that. My answer: the Chicago game seven twenty fourteen is a good one, of course. But man, that San Jose game seven. I think I'm leaning there. Just the reverse sweep and the reverse sweep is. Is is the stuff of dreams, man. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll be honest. I think those are two solid choices, but the the twenty twelve cup winning game. Yeah, that was pretty. I would <laughs> I would live that one. Over. I mean, I I know that's not as close a game. It's a very relaxing game. In the comparison. San Jose game isn't very close. It's not. But my point is that like. It it the the culmination of it all, you know, like to just be able to 
if I get to relive that, that moment from beginning to end, clean slate every time, I, I, I don't, I can't think of a better yeah. thing. I, I just can't. Like if there is a heaven somewhere, that's, that's what I'm watching every day in heaven is like, there's a, there's a two and a half hour period of time every day where I go, I'm surrounded by my loved ones and we're all partying. We're having a good time. And I go, all right, guys, I'm just going to watch this, this really important hockey game here. And that's what I do. <laughs> just, just once a day, I watch this game and I get more excited than I've ever been in my entire life. Can't Good ask answer. for anything better. Good answer. Thank you. Which one did you choose? Or you're not sure either. Oh, that's, it's so hard, but uh, like the cup winning game, it's going to sound weird because I didn't feel that way. Well, I did kind of feel it, but I, uh, you know, when the Kings go up three, nothing like, you know, they're going to win the cup. A part of you is like, where I, I remember in uh, game three, when they won, I turned to our friend Armin who, who had the tickets and he invited me and I told him the Kings are going to win the Stanley cup. Like, and believed it. And you and believed believe it. it. I was like, it's going to yeah. happen. Um, that San Jose game, man, I didn't know. Yeah. What was going to like, it's, you know, it's a, it's like, you're coming back from three, nothing. Yeah. And that's why I picked it is just because of that feeling of like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Like it could be the worst or it could be the best. And it obviously turned out to be the best. So I guess I lean to that one. I also, it's a personal thing for me. Like I was in Kansas City for work and I ditched all my coworkers. And I was like, I have to find a bar in Kansas City, Missouri that is going to play this game for me and I'm going to watch it. So you found buy everyone place. at the bar something. Just no one the- <laughs> gave a single shit about what was happening on the TV screen. No other person even turn their head to watch like what I was looking at. That's how little they cared about it. And in many ways, that's what kind of made it cool for me. It was just like, that's a great story though, man. That's a great story. It was awesome, man. Um, Like my boss came later and he pretended to care, but he didn't care. It was just me, you know, it was just me on the TV. So it was pretty cool. I think that's, that's a good way because this is going to sound weird. I, I don't remember where I was watching that game the san jose game i don't remember where i was watching the the blackhawks game Mm. i i really i don't i remember exactly where i was when i watched them win the cup in 2012 i i remember like every moment of those two and a half hours and just like little fragments (laughs) so i remember that that putrid beard you had grown (laughs) oh it was terrible it was terrible It hasn't gotten any better. It's it's patchy as all hell. I'm I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a disgrace to the Armenian race. I'll tell you, but, <laughs> but I I remember every moment of that, and so maybe that's why it's it carries a bit yeah. more weight for me. I think it's just again like that's such a great story that like the randomness of that and and that whole just like no one else cares but you and the TV like that's that's beautiful stuff, man. And nowadays that wouldn't happen, right? Like you would just pop open your laptop or your, or your phone, you'd stream it from somewhere exactly. very easily. Exactly. That just, that wasn't really an option then. So yeah. you would have to go to some podunk bar and get it done. That's a great question though. That's a good question. I like that question a lot. All right, buddy. Hit me. I, I, I believe in you. 
it's kind of you. Yes. All right. The number nine, let me tell you, there are 23 players who have worn the number nine. Okay. You could, all right. Go for it. Uh, Adrian Kempe. Good one. Solid choice. He might be the longest reigning number nine. Wow. Okay. So that's yeah. longer than Nichols by. Uh, no, you know what? I take that back. Yeah, it got Bernie, to be Bernie. Bernie's at eight. Yeah, Bernie's so at eight years. That's my second answer. But he will, I, well, Kempe will end up being oh, the yeah, longest reigning will. number nine. He will. Yeah. He will because the Kings foolishly that's... traded Bernie Nichols. Um, some, I know these these wounds are deep. Oscar Moeller. Solid. Solid. Remember yes. Oscar Moeller. I do. How can I forget? And this is where the difference starts. Oh, there, I, got, there was one I got a good one. In, there was one in between. There was one in between Moeller and Kempe. Okay. I'll before I get there, I'll go with uh okay. Vladimir Siplikov. Nice. The late 2000. Yes. Um there's like a Rasmussen somewhere. Uh Eric Rasmussen in 2003. <laughs> there, he, there he is. <laughs> there he is. There he be. So but you said between Moeller and Campe, there is a nine. Yes. I can give you a solid hint, but you'll probably okay. get it. It was his second go around with the team, but with a different number. Oh. Why am I not getting this right away? Edward Purcell. Damn it, I was about to say it. Okay, Teddy Purcell. That's right. Good old Tedward. Okay. For some reason, so, I just remember with that stupid number he had before. So, fifty-four. Like 50, yeah, some, yep. yeah, some shit. Yeah. So you're you've done something very interesting here because you got Siplikov, you got Rasmussen, you got one in between those two, and then you got Moeller, but there's one between Rasmussen and Moeller as well. So you've you've kind of like bracketed. Oh oh oh! Kelly Bookberger. There it is. The there book. Is. 2000 to 2002. I still remember. I think I've told you this. The trade that brought Bookberger and Nelson Emerson to the Kings. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember watching the telecast. And Jim Fox's kind of recap of the trade was, well, we all knew the Kings were going to have to make a trade. And they made a big one. <laughs> What was it, Donald Audette? It was Donald Audette yeah. for Bookberger and Nelson Emerson. And there were some other pieces kind of involved there. I'm sure someone else remembers the details of that. But I think, was Andreas Lilia involved in that too? I can't mix mixing I things think so. up. I think it was Lilia right. went to Detroit eventually. Okay. Anyway. All right. Yes. So Bookberger. Yeah, the, and then between. the trade. And then Rasmussen to Moeller. There's one guy in between. Another one who's who's gonna be who's gonna be a winner, who's gonna be one of the. This one's gonna hit. This pick is gonna it's gonna make it happen. It's not Tukinen, is it? No, no. Okay, okay. Um, Grebishkov. Oh, you're so close. Ah, oh, Pushkarov. There it is. <laughs> okay. It was one of the. It was one of those two. That's right. Constantine That's right. Pushkarov. He of, was he Pushkarov. seventeen. Yes, 17 games and five points. Terrific. Okay, now you can move backwards. You got a few oh, in the 90s here. Is... How, what? You have a few in the 90s. There was, how many after Bernie? And Sipli between Siplikov and Nichols? Four. What? Yeah. That is disrespectful. 
That's right. Between 1990 and 1996, they really wanted everyone to forget Bernie Nichols. Jesus. They gave, this, they cool. gave that number to four players, man. Okay. Um, they're all going to be not good. They're not going to be good players. Uh, I, I know I know two of them. Like, I'm familiar with them. Okay. Let's hear them. I got... Um, okay, I'll give is, you the ones wait, that had one I, year at a time. Dan Quinn was seven, right? Uh, yes. We, okay. we mentioned him before, yeah. Yes. Uh, Rob Brown in 1995. Okay. Could be anyone. Dixon Ward. Dixon Ward in 1994. Definitely one I should have gotten. Yeah. yeah. That was so him, Rob Brown and Dixon Ward are the ones that I, I didn't yeah. know there were nine, but I was like, oh, yeah, there they are. Uh, and then Sean White, but White spelled with a Y. What? Okay. And then uh, Ilka Sinasolo. <laughs> from 91 to 92 yes uh, they were like all right guys how do we get people to forget bernie let's give it to cinesolo <laughs> our friend big art big fan of Lucas cinesolo shout out to him there you go um uh, i don't really i don't even then, want to know who wore it before bernie nichols <laughs> I'm being well, too bad you're, you're you're going to anyway just rapid fire him uh, okay you got it uh man some great names here i don't even know how to say this uh you'll correct me i'm sure uh, Al Hangelsben. I cannot. Nineteen eighty-two. Yeah. No. Okay. Scott Gruel also in nineteen eighty-two. Again, this was during that era where apparently they've only had like twenty jerseys, and so if a guy mm -hmm. left, they just gave you the jersey of the other guy. Um, Mike Marson in nineteen eighty. Uh, Billy Harris from nineteen eighty to nineteen eighty-two. Okay, that's a name. Uh, Murray Wilson in nineteen seventy-nine. Ernie Hickey, nineteen seventy-eight. Bob Nevin, nineteen seventy-four hey. to seventy-six. There you go. Uh, Gord Labossier mm -hmm. in 1971. Past yeah, the Labossier, as I'm sure they said. Uh, Ralph Backstrom, 71 okay. to 73. Bill Flett in 1970. The Cowboy. <laughs> you ready? Real Lemieux, 68 to 70. Oh, wow. Okay. Frenchie. Frenchie and, and the Cowboy. Just Again, get, two nicknames, just, just a reminder. That's right. Jack we were not responsible for these. Nicknamed both. Well, Cowboy's not offensive to anyone. Well, I maybe. I don't know. Maybe the guy was from like New York City and he said that's, true. that's what he's going to call him. But yeah, Real Lemieux were seven and nine. Just different mm. eras. Cool. Cool. So here, I'm going to... You know what? Now you're going to make me check and see where exactly Bill Flett was from. Okay. See if there was any, see if there was any Cowboy... You know... He was from Vermilion, Alberta. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be there okay with go. it. There you go. There you go. Well, it's, it's there you go. Cow country. There you go, um, buddy. I I I know you want to give it to Bernie. I do. I was a big fan of Bernie Nichols, and I, and I feel like Adrian Kempe is gonna own that number, right? Like, God willing, it'll be in the rafters one day. Who knows? At That's this a great question. That's a, it's too I mean, early. You, it's way it's too, too early. early. It's too early. But I mean, and, and things could certainly change. But I mean, he's he's going to be with the team for at least another what is it four seasons? I have to look and see. But I mean, at that point, he'll be the longest reigning number nine. I don't yeah. know if if the Kings had a a Ring of Honor thing. No, they just did the Legends Knights. Yeah. 
That was yeah. like that tier tier two. Uh, actually, Kempy's only got two more years left on his deal. I'll uh, sign beyond him. this year. Yeah, I, I don't see For why they like wouldn't. He'll be thirty years old. Million. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what the cap will be at then? But uh, I, I man, Bernie, tremendous numbers, tremendous, tremendous numbers. As close to Hall of Fame without being Hall of Fame as you'll find is Bernie Nichols. Have you? Um, I forget what account this is, but they do like the the Hall of Fame oh, yeah, calculation. Yeah. I know the account. Yeah. I, I find but that fascinating. It's fascinating, but it's also, it's hit or miss because like there's some guys who are in the Hall of Fame that by his metrics shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And then there's guys who you would think are locks that by his metrics aren't locks. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. But I'm more inclined to think that the Hall of Fame has some guys who probably should not be in there. Sure. Rather sure. than than like, you know, because Bernie's a great example of a guy with tremendous individual statistics, but no hardware. Exactly, and yeah. that's that's the reasoning I'm guessing as to why he's not in there. Yeah, he's in the hall of very very good, but you know. Right. Right. And you do wonder, like, if he had made it to 500 goals, would that make a difference? If I mean, I think he has like the same ish numbers as Glenn Anderson, but Glenn Anderson mm-hmm. has six cups. Right. So that'll yeah, be it. Yeah. All right. Well, this is nice. Nice. Uh, again, lots of breaks in between here, but uh, still plenty of fun games to watch. Let's see how they close out in November. Uh, have a nice, happy, healthy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy That's the company right. of those you love. Fam. That's right. We're That's thankful right. for you. We are very thankful for you guys. We are very, very thankful. You guys, you, we, we ignore the one or two bad apples because the rest of you make a hell of a bunch. And we, we really enjoy doing this and it's a lot of fun for us. And so thank you for that. Uh, please like subscribe, give us reviews, give us feedback you have any questions, we are more than happy to discuss in a very reasonable, gentlemanly fashion on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now. Uh, see you in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Go Kings Go! Kings Go!